from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, as well as on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT and on YouTube.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. All places where you can listen and watch the show live here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. And I'm elated and honored to have, uh, hard to believe, I never thought in a million years I would say this, but my third Bayheim on the show. Uh, Jim Bayheim has been on the show multiple times uh, for the better part of a decade. appreciate the time I've spent with him in his office, as well as uh, on the golf course, uh, speaking with him at, uh, at different events that have gone on and whatnot, as well as on you know, the uh, the big days ushering in the season at the uh, ACC events and, of course, during the season as well. And, of course, Buddy Bayheim uh, about a year and a half before he went to Syracuse, we got to uh, start our bond. And hard to believe that that bond has added three more years to it as we step forward here. And now I have the opportunity to speak with Jimmy Bayheim And I, I hashtag this, copyright TM. If anybody uses it, I want royalty money. The Bayheim Cubed is what I start put I started uh, putting up uh, a few weeks ago uh, before all of this was made official. So with that being said, let me bring in Jimmy Bayheim for the first time ever as I make history with my third Bayheim. Jimmy, how are we doing today? Uh, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And, and uh, it's so weird for, I mean, I thought growing up I would talk to Jim. I never in a million years thought that I'd be talking to, to you and Buddy. How surreal is it for you to, uh, you know, obviously see what your dad has done forever and, you know, here you are, uh, Buddy, and, and yourself now at Syracuse with him. Yeah, you know, it's honestly hard to put it, even put into words how surreal it really is. Um, you know, never really imagined, you know, me coming home and playing at Syracuse. You know, could always see Buddy doing it, um, especially in the later years of high school. But, um, you know, my plan, my dream was always to, you know, go to an Ivy League school, play, and get a degree. And, um, you know, to now be back at Syracuse for my last year, it's pretty surreal. Um, you know, just can't believe it. I just feel really blessed and fortunate and, you know, really looking forward to being back home. You know, we, we've seen the pictures of you and Buddy obviously growing up and wearing your Syracuse gear and whatnot. You you both get to live in a world that very, I would say, point zero 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 one percent of the world lives in which is, you know, you take a picture with the jerseys on of a collegiate team, and then you and your brother end up playing on the same team together. When you look back at those pictures, how how surreal and how strange is that? Yeah, I mean, it's just really crazy how full circle it all came. Um, you know, seeing the picture that Buddy um, put on his Twitter and his Instagram, um, you know, us wearing oversized 35 Syracuse jerseys. I mean, it's just really crazy. Um, you know, how full circle it is, you know, just seeing, even watching the tournament, seeing Buddy and Jerry interact and, you know, knowing that Buddy was like a two-year-old running around, you know, sitting on Jerry's lap in the back of the bus or, you know, whatever, just playing around. And, you know, now he's, you know, they have this great coach-player bond and it's just, it's really surreal how full circle it is. And now I'm excited to, you know, be a part of it. 
You know, and, and it is. And you bring up that, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Jerry uh, having Buddy and Buddy be so little and, you know, sit on his lap on the bus and this, that, and whatever. I mean, you and Buddy, uh, the strange thing to me is I remember I remember seeing little Bayheims run by me when I, and I'm not that old, you know, I'm, and the irony is, you know, the 35 for your dad and the 35 that Buddy wears now, and I'm 35 years old at the time we're talking, but... You know, so being on press row and, and seeing little Bayheims run by, and now I'm seeing tall Bayheims on the court. It's very strange to me. It makes me feel like I'm 100 years old. But, you know, what what can you say about that? I mean, you used to run around the dome as a little kid in the middle of a game, just be running around, you know, chasing your brother, this, that, and, and whatever. And now you guys are going to be running around on the court together. Yeah, it's very crazy. I mean, I, when you think about it, it's almost like the dome went from, you know, our our play place or something. I don't know what you want to call it to, you know, now we're playing real basketball games there. I mean, it's crazy. You know, we, we wait till the game was over and, you know, hope we get a chance to go on the court and, you know, run up and down and play for a little bit. If it, if, if it wasn't too like too crowded, too big of a game or, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, playing in the mouse center, playing hide and go seek tag growing up in the mouse center. And, you know, now to be there, you know, playing basketball is, it's it's hard to put into words. It's crazy, you know. And I, I mean, did you envision that as a little kid? I mean, I know so many of us that grew up in Syracuse. I mean, I always wanted to play at Syracuse. I always wanted to get on the court and and you know just just have a second to step on that court. Did did you envision that? I mean, I know you said you wanted to go to an Ivy League school, but when you and Buddy were little. Were you kind of, when you were playing these games and big imagination and whatnot, when you were on the court together, was it three seconds on the clock, Jimmy passes to Buddy, Buddy passes to Jimmy? I mean, were, were you kind of simulating those moments and, and when you were a kid about the thought of playing at Syracuse? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't really have too many memories simulating stuff like that. You know, we do, like, we pretend it was the end of the game all the time at home, you know, buzzer beater stuff. Um you know, it, it, until recently, you know, I never really imagined myself playing at Syracuse. You know, I, I feel like I, you know, coming out of high school and growing up in middle school, you know, I think I had a pretty good idea of the type of player I was. You know, I wasn't, especially towards the end of high school, I, you know, I knew I, at that time I probably couldn't just go to Syracuse and play. You know, that's why I was looking elsewhere. Um, so I'd say it wasn't until recently, you know, these last couple of years when I really took big steps in my game and, you know, started feeling a lot more confident that, you know, I started picturing, you know, maybe, you know, if it, if it ends up being right, you know, maybe I could end up, you know, coming home and playing at Syracuse. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just growing up, there was all those, every kid, you know, dreams of hitting that buzzer beater. I'm sure I did it a couple of times at Syracuse. Um, but, you know, just in general, that's, you know, every kid's dream now to be able to do it at home is, is really awesome. Speaking here with Jimmy Bayheim on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here where sports meets life inside of the Cafe Kubal studios. Jimmy, your dad is a blatantly honest person. I think I think that Absolutely. that's a I think that's a, an easy way to describe him. Uh, how how did he teach you and coach you as his kids? How would you describe how how Jim? handled you guys i mean did you feel that he talked to you as a coach was it always as a dad was it both and could he flow in between the two how do you describe it no yeah he was really good at doing both um 
he was, I couldn't have asked for anything more, really. I mean, there was time, there were, time, you know, it was never you have to play basketball. Obviously, it was always, you know, if you want, like, if you want this, we're going to work for it. And, you know, once I told him this is what I wanted, this was my dream to play, you know, high-level basketball, he was like, all right, we're going to work for it. And, you know, if I ever took a week where I was kind of slacking, you know, whatever, taking it easy, not working very hard, he would get on me. And, you know, that's what I needed at, during those times. I needed someone to push me, and he was always there for that. Um, and, you know, just coming out of games, you know, it, it, it kind of depend on what I need. If I was down in the dumps and, you know, just had a tough game, you know, he knew that he would just be a dad, you know, he'd just be there for me and tell me, you know, everyone has bad games, you know, it's all right. You'll, you're going to bounce back. You're a great player, stuff like that. And then, you know, just coming out of most games, he'd just give me a few pointers here and there. Um, it usually wasn't, um, it was usually in a nice, calm way. Um, it was only once in a while that he really got on me when it was something like I wasn't working hard enough or something like that. Then it would, he would get on me a little harder, but, you know, it was just little pointers here and there, just how I could, help, um, you know, fix my game and, you know, just always being there supporting me, you know, picking me up, um, stuff like that. So, you know, I couldn't, couldn't really ask for more from, you know, a father perspective. You know, with your dad being a coach uh, at the D1 level, how how did he speak with you and Buddy uh, about it? You know, because he's not going to, I think contrary to public belief, the media wants to, and I always say I'm media by, by my badge, but not by the way I treat people. I'm very different. But, uh, you know, the media likes to tell the stories that, that they think will sell. And, you know, the notion of, well, Jim has Buddy and Jimmy on the team because he can do whatever he wants. I don't see your dad that way. I feel like your dad would tell you, I think you could play at this level, or I don't think you could play at this level. Has he had conversations like that with you has he had tough conversations about you know this is what I think you can do this is the level that I think you can be at because I can imagine he knows but I can also imagine that as a father it's hard to have those conversations yeah for sure um I mean he was never gonna give either of us anything we didn't deserve you know I mean coming out of high school you know had zero offers so I went to prep school and you know even at prep school I was really just fighting for that one offer and you know um didn't have one in you know winter during the winter time and you know he called me and he's like you know um if if it comes down to it you know you can't play here probably but you're good enough to be a walk-on here you know if, if we need to do that you can be a walk-on here and you know work hard and you know see what happens but um you know I think that's the biggest proof you know just the fact that you know that conversation that we had you know it was tough but you know he he wasn't going to bring me on as a scholarship player as a take up a spot when he knew you know I wasn't you know I wasn't ready for that at that time so you know I was just fighting for an offer at that point you know when Cornell called um I called him and he was like you got to call him back right now and take it because he just knew how how tough the recruitment game was you know how quickly I could lose that offer if you know another kid was you know more ready to commit that me than me so you know I called Cornell back that day and you know while I'm on the topic you know obviously I you know, thank Cornell for everything. You know, I owe a lot to them. Um, they really helped me a lot, a lot along this way. You know, the coaching staff just believing in me and you know giving me all these opportunities. Um, it's really helped me grow my to grow my game. But um, you know, back to your point, you know, it wasn't until these last couple of years, you know, especially last year um, and the year before, you know, you could kind of see where I was going. Um, and you know, when the opportunity presented itself, you know, he he knew if if you know there was a spot for me here this year depending on what happened with the transfer portal um you know he would want to bring me in because he's he's seen that i've you know kind of earned it and deserved it deserve it now after you know the work i've put in and you know the way i've played over the last couple of years so um yeah definitely 
he definitely wouldn't give any of us anything we didn't deserve, I guess. You know, and, and that's, and that's something I really wanted to get to is, you know, how, how do you as a family, you know, tackle that, you know, being at the dinner table and your father believing that Buddy should be on the team and he deserves a scholarship and that he thought that, you know, you should go elsewhere and, you know, wasn't going to offer you a scholarship. Did that ever create any, any type of a, a problem at the dinner table? I mean, was it hard to hear that information? How did you handle it as brothers that, that Buddy got a scholarship and, and that Jim, you know, kind of said to you, hey, you know, you got an opportunity at Cornell, take it. Here you'll be a walk-on. I mean, how, how do you handle that as a family? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, like I said before, you know, my dream was always to play in the Ivy League. I think I, I had a pretty good awareness of the type of player I was. So, um, you know, it wasn't like a reality shock or anything like that. Um, you know, I was very content, happy with coming to Cornell. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was anything hard. And then when Buddy was coming out, you know, after his performance on the UIBL circuit and what he was doing at, uh, in high school, you know, you could kind of tell the type of player he was going to be. And, you know, he had other offers elsewhere, um, something that I didn't have at the time. I guess I was just a little more of a late bloomer or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, it wasn't difficult. It was, you know, I was beyond happy for Buddy because I knew how much he – always wanted to come to Syracuse and that was his dream so you know um you know nothing but pure joy and happiness when he got to realize that dream and you know I was I was more than happy playing it but been more than happy playing at Cornell these last these last three years and you know my plan was to you know finish out at Cornell um this year before all this uh before the pandemic happened so um yeah you know and I was gonna I was gonna ask you that if it was in the back of your mind after playing, you know, the the last few seasons, last three seasons at Cornell, if you had intended to finish there and have all four seasons, or if it was on your mind before the transfer portal and the pandemic and all that stuff, that you would look at transferring to Syracuse. So, you know, was, I mean, you kind of in a way answered it, but did the pandemic and the Ivy League not having the season and everything going on, did that essentially create this environment or was it in the back of your mind that you could maybe try to transfer to Syracuse? Yeah, um, def- it definitely created this, you know, um, sorry, just, um, but yeah, it definitely created this, you know, before, before the pandemic, I, w- I wasn't, I was going to finish at Cornell. It would never, you know, I thought about it, you know, I knew that I probably could play at a higher level um, if I wanted to, but you know, I was, I was happy here at Cornell. I think we were gearing up for a big year. Um, you know, was really looking forward to that and just making a big jump and, you know, leaving a lasting impact here at Cornell, which was something I always wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, before this, before this pandemic, it was never, I wasn't, I really, I truly wasn't gonna, gonna transfer. I was going to finish at Cornell, wanted to make sure I was going to get my degree and, you know, knowing if I was going to, if I would have transferred, it would have, you know, I wouldn't have been able to get my Cornell degree, which was really important to me. So, um, Yeah it's pretty much just been a product of this last year. You know, and and you had to go through something that many players did not, which, you know, the Ivy League decided well in advance to not really at the beginning of the pandemic, they said, we're not, we're not playing a season. We're not having a tournament. So how, I mean, how did you tackle this past year? You you know, you, you got to see that, you know, your brother was out there playing. The majority of the country was out there playing, of the 300 plus division one men's basketball schools. So how, how did you handle this past year and the adversity and, and, and being a person 
that was in a very small minority that did not play because you were in a conference that wasn't playing? Yeah, you know, um, definitely disappointed initially, um, me and my teammates, just because, like I said, we were really looking forward to this year. I um, feel like we've been building towards it. But, you know, that didn't really last long. I mean, I just kind of thought of things in the grand scheme of things, you know, what I was going through really wasn't that bad um, compared to, you know, other things that have been going on during this past year. So um, it was pretty much, I thought, you know, I can sulk and feel bad for myself or I can get to work. And, you know, I chose to get to work and, you know, just work on a lot of things that I knew I needed to improve upon and try to add a lot of things to my game. And I really, you know, appreciated this time for, for that, for being able to do stuff like that. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed just watching, um, enjoyed watching, you know, at a greater depth, I guess, um, all the games this year, it was really fun for me to watch, um, and, you know, pick up on stuff that, you know, I might not have picked up in the past. So, um, yeah. Speaking here with Jimmy Bayheim, uh, heading from Cornell to Syracuse. He's on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. To go to your Cornell days, when you started out there in 2017-18, uh, started in three games, played in 26 overall and had uh, three points a game, couple rebounds a game in 2018-19, started in 16 of the 31 games you played and went from 11.9 minutes per game to almost 25 minutes a game. And we saw you get to almost 12 points a game as well as a little over three rebounds. And then in 2019-20 season, we look at that, 19 games started out of 21 games played and over 30 minutes a game. So, you know, almost the majority of the game here, you're out there and almost 17 points a game and just shy of six rebounds a game. You've done statistically what, you know, obviously people look for, which is you've gotten better over time. You've increased your minutes on the court. And as you've increased your minutes, you've increased your output, which is huge. So what can you tell me about from 2017-18 to 2019-20 your evolution and your growth as I see it by the numbers, but from your point of view, what you can say about it. Yeah. I mean, freshman year was definitely a tough year, big, big adjustment year for me. Um, you know, not playing as much, all that much, but you know, getting a few opportunities here and there and, you know, just hearing from my coaches, you know, they continue to believe in me and it just made me want to work that much harder. Um, you know, I feel like those summers, I just got a lot better and really, you know, had to decide if I really wanted it and I did and you know I just went to work each summer trying to add a few things to my game and you know I think I did I think I got a lot better playing in the low post uh, mid post you know just going by guys and you know my shot got shot got more consistent um over time so yeah I mean just just really continue to work and getting used to you know college basketball and stuff like that and you know just my teammates and my coaches continue to believe in me all went a long way for me and you know I'm ready to take that jump to the next level and you know I feel like I've improved even more over these last couple of years and you know I'm really excited to to show um show what I've been working on and Jimmy where has that improvement come over the years as well as like you said you worked on a lot of things not having a season this season at Cornell due to the Ivy League canceling its season so where have you worked the you know over the past few years as well as in this kind of you know expanded off season that you've had where can you say the growth growth has come at this point? Yeah, um, definitely a lot just in the weight room. Um, getting a lot stronger. Um, I've put on a lot of a lot of good weight, um, and at the same time, I feel like I've gotten a lot quicker and faster, which has done a lot for me over these last couple of years. Um, 
but yeah, in terms of, you know, I, I didn't really have much of a low post game and now I, over the last couple of years, I've developed that. Um, and same with the high mid post game and, you know, just trying to make plays, get in the lane, my decision-making stuff like that. And then over this last year, I've really focused on my shooting, um, both off the dribble and catch and shoot. You know, I think that's going to be important for me next year. And, um, just want to make sure I'm getting more consistent with it and, you know, just feeling really good about my shot. And, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm in a good place right now. I'm going to keep working over these, you know, this next year and, you know, excited to, to get back on the court and, you know, show, show all the stuff I've been working on, you know, show, uh, you know, just prove that the work was worth it, you know. Bring me into the dominoes that fell to bring you to Syracuse. Initially, your dad said, hey, you could be a walk-on. Now you're coming in as a scholarship player. Tell me how this all happened. How did these dominoes fall? When did the process begin? And bring me through the process of you coming to Syracuse. Um, you mean just like this last year, or are you talking over the four years? Or you know, kind, of, kind of how, from the first thought of, hey, maybe I can go there, to you know, discussing the opportunity. So from that first moment where it looked like it could be a reality to where we are today and, and the fact that it is. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, um, when they canceled the season, you know, um, they had it, they, it was the rule, the Ivy League rule is you can't, you know, grad students can't, um, can't play here, can't play at the Ivy League school. So, um, you know, just knowing that, I think I knew pretty early on that I was going to have to transfer. Um, and so, you know, just going, entering the portal and looking at other schools, you know, um, kind of had an idea that, you know, I wanted to come to Syracuse if the opportunity presented itself. And, you know, at that point it became, you know, kind of just a waiting game. And during that time, you know, talked to other schools, you know, kept them in, you know, the back of my mind in case and, you know, just watched how the season went. And then it really, not until recently did I know, you know, the last few weeks when the madness of the transfer portal, you know, kind of unfolded that it would end up being a good fit for me, you know, because, I mean, like I've said, if there was five, six forwards, you know, I would have known it wasn't really the best fit for me and I would have had to go somewhere else. But, you know, just given the new rules and whatnot, I mean, I think it created a good good opportunity for me to come in and, you know, fill a role. And, you know, how how did that conversation go? Did you Did you talk to, you know, your dad kind of on the side and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking Am I ready? I mean, how how did how did he assess you and you assess this in making this decision? Yeah, I mean, it was just over time, you know, talking to him, you know, getting an idea where he was at as well as myself. Um, you know, talking relatively early on, you know, just him telling me I was, you know, good enough to play at Syracuse, and you know, if if it if the opportunity presented itself, you know, I could probably come here. And, you know, it was, at that point, it was pretty much just waiting and you know, making sure it would be, it would be the right fit. Um, but, you know, we had those conversations throughout, you know, talking about where you could see me. Um, you know, I told him pretty early on, you know, if, if it's possible, you know, I'll come here. Um, it's pretty much just, just seeing how, how the dominoes fell, I guess, like you said. Um, so yeah, I guess pretty early on just having those conversations throughout where you could see me, stuff like that. But, um, at the end of the day, it was just a waiting game. Originally, going from you know him saying, "Hey, if you get an offer, take it," and and he didn't see you as a scholarship player at Syracuse, and now he does. What did what did Jim say to you? What did your father say to you about why he believes that now you fit and now 
you're a scholarship guy at Syracuse and now you can you could be on the court. What what did you do in your game that he told you specifically, hey, I can see it now? Yeah, I think it was just everything, you know, just rounding out my game, you know, completely, just all the steps I've taken over the years, you know, the way I've performed against um, you know, not only the Ivy League but, you know, high higher major teams, you know, coming to the dome at, or year before last and having 25 um you know performances like that where i feel like i kind of proved i belong um and him just seeing all the strides i've taken um you know as a playmaker as as a passer as a shooter you know just all sorts of different stuff um the way i can score i think um my improvements in my athleticism so you know it was just a combination of all that i guess and you said it was always buddy's dream to come to syracuse yours was to go to an ivy league school to hear your dad say you could play here and I believe you could play at the D1 level like I see it now what emotions thoughts go through you when you when you see that buddy's there and then there's this reality of you put in the work and you've proven yourself and you've earned the right to be there because I think that that's key here that you have earned the right because people are going to say what they want to say from the outside looking in. But I know that you wouldn't come here unless you feel like you could. And Jim wouldn't have you here unless you felt like you could. So what can you tell me about the thoughts and the feelings that go through you when, when you had worked and put in what you needed to put in on your own to become the player that could fit in here? Yeah, you know, it was a really good feeling. Um, You know, just felt like all the work I've been putting in is paying off and, you know, obviously a lot of work left to do you know getting just being on the team isn't enough for me it's that's not what I want I want to be a contributor I want to win a lot of games and um so you know just got to keep putting in that work can't be satisfied yet but you know just the realization of knowing I'm good enough to come and you know that initial when I posted on in social media I mean it was really just surreal I was almost you know just shaking I couldn't even believe it um but like you said, I mean, I wasn't going to come if I didn't think I deserved it and I, I belonged. Um, and, you know, same with my dad. He wasn't going to bring me in if I, you know, hadn't earned it. To have three Bayheims on the court at the same time because your dad will be standing on that court coaching and you and Buddy will be there. I know it hasn't happened yet, but the fact is it will. And here in 2021, 2022, we're going to see three Bayheims in the same place at the same time, but not because you guys are running around the court while your dad's coaching. It's because you're running on the court while your dad's coaching. Bring me into that thought and the moment that all three Bayheims are on the court at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really exciting, crazy to think about. I mean, it's hard to even predict what my emotions are going to be, um, you know, just You know, obviously being there um, with Cornell the last few years has been really awesome. And, you know, just the way the fans have welcomed me um, has been something I've really appreciated and something I've held on to. So, you know, being in the home uniform, you know, alongside Buddy and with my dad and, you know, all those other guys, too. You know, I mean, I've become so close with the coaching staff and a lot of the players um, just over the years. So, I mean, it's not just... You know, Buddy and my dad, obviously, that's a huge element of it. But, you know, the rest of the team and, you know, the fans. I mean, the fans is – I'm just so excited to be, um, you know, in the home home colors, you know, with the fans cheering me on and the rest of our team. So, yeah, just – I mean, it's hard to put into words how excited I am for all of that. Is, is there anything better that you've experienced in your life than, than the moment that you'll experience when you're in a huddle with your dad and your brother and you're all wearing – 
orange? I mean, is there anything you can think of that's better than that? It's hard, it's hard to picture much. I mean, that's definitely going to be at the top of the list. I mean, I think back to, you know, the first shot of my career, that corner three at, in the dome, that was, that was really special. But, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be hard to top, top this this coming year. 25 points in 35 minutes in the 2019-2020 season. Obviously, uh, like we talked about, Cornell didn't play last season. So uh, having that game against Syracuse on November 20th, uh, bring me back into that, you know, and obviously I was there for that game, 25 in 35, almost 44% from the field, uh, just shy of 82% from the charity stripe. Uh, you know, what What you remember of that game, because that was your last game in the Dome, and, you know, so first and foremost, what do you think about, you know, that game when you were with Cornell going up against Syracuse as that was your last game in the Dome? And then secondly to it, could you have ever imagined in a million years that, that would be your last game in the dome and your next game in the dome would be wearing the other colors. Yeah. Um, you know, just coming to that game, obviously it's a game I'm extra excited for. Um, just being back in the dome and all that, but, um, you know, just knowing the zone and stuff like that, I knew I had to be aggressive that game. And, you know, I came in with that mindset, you know, that I was just going to be aggressive trying to make plays for myself and for my teammates in the middle of that zone. And, you know, trying to get in the lane and making shots and, you know, I got I got to the line a lot just because I think I was being super aggressive, um, charging in there and stuff like that. So, um, and my teammates and my coaches really just trusted me that game and you know got me the ball a lot and in really good spots and I just took advantage of it really at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, that, was, that that game and the one before, you know, we had it really close within ten minutes. You know, that was that was really cool to just be in the in the game. You know, fighting. You know, I really wanted to win those games. Um, because, you know, I never imagined I'd be in other colors. I always wanted to get a get a win in the Carrier Dome. Um, so, yeah, those were really fun games for me for sure. And, you know, I obviously never could imagine that two years ago was the last – was the next time I'd, I'd be, you know, wearing, you know, wearing orange in the Dome. I mean, that's really crazy um, to even think about. Um, never could have imagined, obviously. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really cool. Speaking here with Jimmy Bayheim on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Uh, Jimmy, before I let you go here, uh, for, you know, your, I mean, you've experienced this. Uh, you, you have seen it as a little kid. You've seen it growing up. You've seen it as a high school student and a college student, and you're now going to be on the team. Uh, your, your father is, I can say, in my 17-plus years of broadcasting and my connection to Syracuse because I was born and raised here and came back here after working with ESPN and Fox and some other affiliates around the country, it decided to come back here and build my company almost nine years ago. I would say that your dad is one of the most criticized people I've ever seen on the planet. I think it's safe to say that everybody has an opinion of what Jim should do and how Jim should do it. And they talk to me all the time about it. How do you handle that as a son and how will you handle that as one of his players knowing that, uh, you know, your dad is one of the people in this world that, especially with social media now, people think that they have every right in the world to tell him what to do and how to do it. How do you handle that as, as his son? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like you said, I mean, there's not much you can do about it. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, those people just, they really care about Syracuse basketball and, you know, that's the approach they, they take to it. And, um, you know, that's the way some people, you know, at the end of the day, I think just keeping in mind that, you know, the vast majority are behind behind him and the program. And, you know, there's a few that have their opinions and, you know, it's fine. They're entitled to it. Um, 
you know, like I said, there's not much you can do about it. But, um, you know, he and Buddy have kind of taught me, you know, how to do a pretty good job of blocking it out. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just going to go in there and trust my work and, you know, trust the coaching staff and my teammates and, you know, I think I'll be able to block it out pretty well. I've kind of handled that, you know, throughout my life. You know, it's not going to be anything, you know, brand new to me, obviously. Um, so, you know, yeah, you know, just, you know, I, it's, it's what, matter, what matters is the opinions of the people in the locker room at the end of the day. And, you know, that's what I'm going to trust and, you know, know that we have the best fans in the country and, the, you know, they're behind us at the end of the day and they're cheering for us and all they want is, you know, what's for the best. How do you shut it out? You know, because Buddy's, Buddy's dealt with the, you're the coach's son, this, that, and the other. I was like, you don't know that Mark Few and Gonzaga went after him, that Roy Williams of North Carolina made positive comments about Buddy. I mean, uh, people that speak in an uneducated fashion, but it's funny how at the beginning of the season, there's all these negatives being said about Buddy. At the end of the season, people are spending $30 buying a Buddy Bucket shirt. So <laughs> it's the juxtaposition. I mean, your brother had the last laugh, but how do you... How do you shut it out? You know, I, I think that's something not just in sports, but people, you know, ask that question all the time of, of how do you shut out? I always say that outside noise, by definition, belongs outside. But how do you keep it outside? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously easier said than done. But, you know, like I said at the end of the day, um, you know, what's in the locker room is what matters. You know, what, that my coaches believe in me and my, that my teammates believe in me. And, you know, um, keeping in mind, you know, like, what, like obviously, you know, I see – occasional negative comment um but you know like when i committed i mean the outpour of you know just support and excitement was just awesome there was it was the majority of what i received was that you know of course there's a couple negative ones but you know just keeping in mind how much support really is out there and how much you know yeah just how much people are supporting and me supporting me and you know the people in the locker room and at the end of the day just trusting myself and being being confident and trusting all the work I've I've put in and just knowing that I belong at the end of the day is what's going to trump all of that yeah you know and I gotta I I mean your mom what what is Julie I mean what's going through Julie's head right now what's what's going through the head of of Mrs. Beheim that she you know she doesn't have to I mean honestly she only has to cover one team doesn't have to travel you know, that far, I mean, uh, uh, what's, I, I, you know, everybody is talking to you and talking to Buddy and talking to, to Jim about it, but what does Julie think about all this? Yeah, she, she might be more excited than anyone, you know, um, having us all back home. Um, I mean, she's she's super excited. She can't wait. Um, I mean, I'm really, ex- I mean, she, yeah, I mean, it's exciting to see how excited and happy she is. Um, I'm sure it's going to now triple her, her nerves during games and all that. So, you know, I don't know how she's going to handle that, especially watching some of these, some of these games during this last run with her. Um, you know, it doubled when buddy came, went and now it's going to, now it's just going to triple. Um, so I don't know how she's going to handle that, but you know, she's super excited. Um, you know, she can't wait. And I mean, Jamie, what does she think about all this? Cause it's a big old party. And so, you know, uh, how, how, how do, how do, uh, how does everybody kind of, you know, do right by, do right by Sissy? Yeah, you know, she's, she's just as excited as, as anyone else as well. I mean, you know, she's so supportive of us and all that we do and just always there cheering us on, um, which I really appreciate. So, yeah, I mean, she's just kind of there in the same boat as my mom, just really excited to have us all, all at home together. You know, and and I know, and I'm not sure because I know it was a couple of years ago. But is Lulu still with us? 
No, actually, Lulu passed, um, I think, two years now. Uh, we actually just got a new dog for Christmas. His name's Bean. Um, named him after Kobe, Bean, Brian, obviously. So, um, yeah, we got a new dog. Uh, Lulu, unfortunately, passed. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that about Lulu, but what's your favorite memory of Lulu, and, and what do you like about Bean? Oh, man, Lulu, Lulu was just, she was just such a fighter, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, her back two legs didn't work for the last few years, and, you know, she was just still always there running around, you know, just a happy dog. Um, and, you know, just seeing how much her, just seeing her and my dad's bond, I mean, it was really my dad's dog um, at the end of the day and just how close they were. And, you know, my dad could come home after a brutal loss and, you know, being down in the dumps and then he'll see Lulu and his voice will perk up and he'll get all, you know, excited. So I think those are the memories that'll stick with me. And then, you know, Bean is, Bean's a great dog. He's got so much energy. He loves playing. Um, I mean, he, we couldn't have asked for more. I mean, he's all, he's a great addition to the family. Um, just really fun, run, runs around a lot. And at the end of the day, just will fall asleep in your lap. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's what I'd say. And, and your dad, I mean, again, so many people have opinions, but they don't see him. How would you describe your dad? I mean, because he is a human being. I think people forget right. that when you're in like a larger than life situation, you know, that, that he did go home and, and like you said, play with Lulu and whatnot. And, you know, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a friend, he's a son, he's, he's a human being. So how would you describe your dad off the court? Right, yeah, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, people second-guessing, you know, the coaching decisions he makes and stuff, but I think, you know, the, when people judge his character, I think that's what that's what bothers me the most, you know, just, you know, seeing him at home, I mean, he's just a goofy, fun guy, I mean, he'll, he loves playing, you know, games like, uh, just loves playing games and goofing around, you know, he'll sing in the car if Bruce Springsteen comes on, I mean, and, you know, just seeing how much he's done, how giving he is for the community, and, you know, he'll do anything for, for anyone at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's hard people judge him you know just based off of you know how he interacts with the media which you know isn't always isn't always the best you know and he knows that at the end of the day but um yeah i mean i wish people could just see that other side of him more you know just the goofy fun fun side i mean you saw it i don't know if you caught the interview um when he's talking about his tiktok he loves going on tiktok and stuff like that i mean that's just you know who he is at the end of the day just a fun guy uh, coming from Jimmy Beheim, two final points here with Jimmy on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Jimmy, your brother is at 221 three-point field goals made. Because this year is a reset, he has two years if he wants it. He would have had one, he now has two. He needs 183s to pass Jerry McNamara. Does he do it? Oh man, that's 100. I mean, J- Jerry set the bar really high. Um, I mean, obviously it'll be really hard to do it in one year. Um, we'll see, we'll see if he ends up taking that second year or not, but I mean, yeah, that part is really high. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited to see what buddy does this year. He's going to take it up another level. I mean, obviously just unbelievable shooter. I'm sure he's going to make a ton of threes and I hope, you know, I can be on the assisting end of some of those. Um, but yeah, like I said, just really excited to see, see his next step next year. And, and I'm the one thing that I picture more than anything else with you guys on the court at the same time is him coming down the court in a fast break situation and him letting that ball fly and you dunking it home for an alley-oop. Bring me into that moment, the day that you and Buddy connect for a, for a, you know, a, a shot like that on the court in the Dome. When we get to see that alley from Bayheim to Bayheim, 
Have you envisioned it? And what do you think about that moment when you slam it home? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, that'll be, you know, something really cool if it happens. You know, I hope it does. It'll be something really special. Um, it'll definitely have, have to happen that way because, I know, we were trying to get Buddy's first career dunk still. Um, <laughs> working on that. It's a running joke I have over him. So, I, But, uh, yeah, you know, I hope that, you know, it does happen. And if it does, it'll just be be so special i'm sure it'll hit us hit us both immediately so um yeah you know the potential for a really cool moment and and the final thing jimmy you're going to answer so many questions and you have and i appreciate your time here and 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 i know that uh, players and coaches don't get this opportunity to flip the script so i'm going to give you an opportunity for a trio you can ask me anything in the world it could be syracuse sports life literally anything but I call it rapid fire, and it gives players and coaches an opportunity to not sit at the podium for a couple minutes, which you do all the time. So any three questions in the world, whenever you're ready, I have to answer them. Okay, okay. Um, hmm. All right, I'll start with who's your favorite Syracuse player um, to cover and just to watch all time? Favorite one to cover, and well, the favorite one, uh, my favorite player growing up is somebody that I'm now friends with which is insane. And at nine years old, it was Cuse's in the house. Oh my God. And now we text on the phone. I'm friends with his kids. I did a special for him for Father's Day, uh, John Wallace. And okay. I I can't, I mean, anybody that thinks that your dreams can't come true, literally nine years old, glued to my television, nose to my TV, Cuse's in the house. Oh my God. Fast forward to 35 years old and John and I talk and we laugh and we're friends and he is there for me and he picks up the phone and we have great conversations and I love being around him. He's met my dad. He's just, he's an awesome guy. So I would probably say John all time, but I liked Marek Dolajai before the world liked Marek Dolajai. So, so I can tell you that I was, I was a Dolajai fan from way back when Adrian Autry and I were talking about him. So I got nothing but love for him. And I hope that I believe that, and I hope that he will play for over a decade professionally. And I can't wait to hear how well he does, and I hope he wins a championship. Yeah, that's a good pick. Marek's awesome. I mean, I've loved watching him. I think I've learned from him over the years. And, you know, just an even better better person off the court. Really funny. Um, you know, love being around that guy. Yeah. Um, all right, question number two. Let's see. I guess I'll go, what, like, what's your favorite part of, you know, what you do? I would say this. You know, it's, it's building the relationships. It's, it's, you know, the fact that I have had the opportunity to uh, grow up as a kid watching Syracuse my whole life. And now I get to talk to Jim Beheim, which, you know, thousands upon th- millions of people would probably love to do. Uh, talking to your brother, I, I've built such a good relationship with Buddy and I have such incredible respect for him. And, you know, now being able to talk with you, you know, I, in my world, I love, I love building relationships. You know, as a kid, you want the autograph and the picture. Now I have the friendships and the working relationships and the bonds. And so I just feel very fortunate. I feel very blessed. I work very hard to be somebody in the media that I call a 0.1 percenter, which is, you know, 0.1 percent actually cares about you. They tell the truth. And they want to see you succeed. The other ninety nine point center looking, other ninety nine point nine are looking for the story. I'm looking for the relationship. I don't care if you're a pilot, a janitor, a pro basketball player, a teacher, whatever you do with the rest of your life. Like once you come on my show the first time, you know you'll you'll get to know and buddy. I'll tell you you're welcome all the time. 
So I, I just love what I do. And I love telling stories. And I love making this world a smaller place for me. And I really would hope that uh, in your life and in anybody's life I talk to, hopefully I, you know, bring some positivity to you is what I hope for. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. All right. Let's see. Last question. Um, I'll go. If you had to pick, pick a favorite Big East player from the old Big East that wasn't on Syracuse, um, that you just liked watching, watching Syracuse play against, who would you go with? Oh man. Uh, it would be, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of Georgetown players. So yeah, I would say <laughs> Allen Iverson, Patrick Ewing, uh, on UConn and Mecca Okafor, because we just couldn't stop yeah. him. Syracuse just could not stop him. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I would say there's, there's a lot of guys that, that I would look to in the past that I just love watching, but probably Georgetown and UConn players, uh, Kemba Walker, who I got mm-hmm. to uh, see in the first game back for the Charlotte Hornets. I got to be in that game and commemorative ticket and a t-shirt and all that was really cool in the hive. So yeah, I mean, I would probably stick with UConn and Georgetown players, but that's an incredible question because as much as I appreciate and respect the ACC, I miss the big East so much. <laughs> so I think everybody does miss the big East, what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, bittersweet, I guess. So that coming from Jimmy Bayheim here on wake up call with Dan Satora inside of the cafe Kubal studios, Jimmy, I know it's the first time, but I hope for uh, many more, and I know you spent an expanded time with us today, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell your story and having some fun, and may I officially say to you, congratulations on Bayheim Cubed, and I hope that this is the best year of your life so far. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it.